0: And so in the process of believing something and thinking it, we have to create the supporting evidence around it and supporting evidence can come from past memories. Um, they can come from things people told you, or they'll come from your action. So if you step on the scale, like you believe you're fat, you step on the scale or you look at yourself in the mirror. And all of a sudden now you're like, well, yeah, I look so fat. Like my stomach is just so big or, you know, like we, we talk so bad about ourselves. So now you're starting to do that, but not only that, but you're starting to pull from stored memories. So you might be like, of course, like Mm -hmm. I remember for me, one of the kids in third grade called me thunder thighs. And so that's like a, that's a supporting evidence for me that can support the, the thought that I am so fat, right? Uh, Of course, now I just have thunder thighs and you know, these are all the times and and we don't consciously do this, but subconsciously we're building the scaffolding system in our brain that allows that thought to stand. And in the process of keeping that thought front of mind, and because that thought then directs our actions, we now have to support that thought with behavior. So instead of eating a healthy breakfast, you might eat the healthy breakfast, but then you'll sabotage
1: it. Hi, I'm Dr. Morgan Nolte, geriatric physical therapist, weight loss coach, and passionate disease prevention expert. I used to struggle with emotional eating, sugar cravings, and consistency. Then I learned how to lose the mental and physical weight once and for all with a low insulin lifestyle. Each week on the reshape your health podcast, you'll learn simple, actionable step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you are ready to create a body and life you love, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey everyone. Welcome back to the reshape your health podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Nolte. Today, we have a fun guest, Alexa Sherm. She is from the living well collective, and she's really passionate about integrating mind and and body and nutrition. She has her master's in nutrition, and we're really delighted and excited to have her here today. This is going to be a fun conversation. So full disclosure, I found her on Instagram quite a while back and I've been following her and there was this one post that you did. And it was, that was the moment when I'm like, we could be friends in real life yeah. <laughs> because you were doing this live and it was around Thanksgiving, maybe last year, or I think it was last year because we were all hot messes last year. Yeah, during right and you were a public hot mess trying to make these like sweet potato fries. Do you remember that? (laughs) And like you were going to go live and it didn't work and you were just owning it. And you were so inspirational to me to just show up more authentically, um, online, because I think that there's a lot Mm of like perfected, um, personas Mm -hmm. online and yeah. It's it's a uh, online space is interesting and so I just liked you from that moment. Ever since oh, I good. kind of <laughs> been fussing around with your sweet things,
0: and, and like a hot mess in general. The last live I did, oh. the smoke alarms went off in my house because I left a pan on and it legit started in fi- on fire behind me, and I was like, well. I guess I'll just go out, turn the fan off, and I'll go outside and finish this live. I'm like, oh my gosh,
1: you do that? That's why, like, lives are too unpredictable. They are, me. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We're pre-recording this interview like months before it's supposed to go live, so this, this is more my speed—the pre-recorded, um, more controlled environment, <laughs> you know. So I, I just wanted to throw that out. I also want—I know that you're from Iowa, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. from Nebraska. I need to know if you're a football fan.
0: I am. Yeah. And
1: which team? Iowa State. Want?
0: Okay. Iowa State. Yeah. All the way. I graduated from Iowa State in my undergrad. So I'm a cyclone. Okay. Um, yeah. So but I, don't I live near football. the University of Iowa. And so it's just, you know, I think people want to shame me into being a, a Hawkeye, but I just, I can't.
1: So. No, you're yeah. uh, so Iowa State uh-huh. all the way yeah, then. All the okay.
0: way. Yeah, yeah. We don't
1: play you. I don't. We play. I think Iowa is our thing. Yeah, Yeah, I always play Iowa. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, in my opinion, you can beat them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We should be able to beat anyone. Poor Scott Frost has such a terrible record of playing these great teams and winning by one score. And our last game, we should have won. Uh, By the way, we are recording this in mid October, and it was a night game. And it took me like two hours to fall asleep after Mm -hmm. that game. yeah, people may not know this. I'm a hardcore Husker football fan, and I had to like turn on the radio show. I had to download this app on my phone, turn on the radio show so that I could listen to the post game,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, so that I yeah. could just commiserate with someone for an hour <laughs> so while I wound on for bed. Button- uh, anywho, getting back to the point <laughs> of the interview. Welcome <laughs> to the Midwest. Can you tell? I've just been like waiting for a friend to kind of shoot the brief yeah, yeah, on a podcast. Totally yeah. Because like, I did a recording today, and it was a very scientific, in-depth interview. And I know that you can go there. I really feel like you have that <laughs> clinical background. But now that we've commiserated about Husker football, will you tell yeah. us more about who you are and where you're from and what you're all about?
0: Yeah. So I'm from a small Iowa town. I'm in rural Iowa. Like we have traffic jams with tractors and combines. And I had a text an appointment the other day. I was like, oh, I'm running late. I'm behind a combine again. And it's just that season here, which I love it here. Um, but I, I, went to school at Iowa state university, my undergraduate. And honestly, I just wanted to learn more about the body. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but you know, I grew up in the nineties, eighties and nineties when everyone was diving. Yeah. And I think when I was younger, I like had this thought that so many people, including my mom was living for something that was never giving back to them. Like it just seemed like it controlled her life. Um, and she lived for it. And it was like her happiness was determined by the outcome of that. Um, and ironically, I or I grew up with a sister who's older than I am, by the way. <laughs> I like to throw her into the bus sometimes. She's not that much older than me. Um, but oh, I think both of us left there rather unscathed by that. But then again, how can you leave the nineties and, and any generation without recognizing that your body is bad. You know, like, I think that's what we have this underlying notion as we get older is like our bodies failed us. It's bad. Now you have to do something to change it. So I went to health just to learn. Honestly, it was kind of like, I'm going to save my mom and every other woman in this health space from living that life that seemed to be awful, like horrendous. Um, and so I went in trying to do that, um, and I left with more questions than I think I had answers right. to. <laughs> Um, and it just didn't, you know, things just weren't adding up and I just couldn't, I couldn't settle. Um, and so when I graduated college, I had owned a gym. Um, and honestly the gym was kind of my own experiment. It was kind of like my own research lab of like, I really want to understand people's bodies and, and everyday people for how change, like what they were looking for and how, how to create change. Um, and so I kind of started with a traditional model of health of like beat bodies into submission. And that was fine for a little while, <laughs> but I realized it didn't work. It didn't work for me. And I crashed and burned. Um, yeah. I was doing all of the right things. I was a nutritionist. I was literally doing all of the right things. And I got so sick. Um, and it was at that moment that I got sick, and it was like a three or four year healing journey from that wow. point on, where doctors didn't know what was going on. I gained like 25 pounds in a month, and um, I had all of these symptoms like, I could barely walk. Doctors were trying to diagnose me with like um, kidney disease, anyways. It's all this thing, which honestly, I don't even look back. I rarely tell that story because it's like so far in the past. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know, but at one point, I remember thinking, This isn't health, like, this isn't health. And I had to remind myself, or I had to learn to believe that my body was for me. And when I started to believe that I feel like my entire scope of health and nutrition started to evolve into something very different. Um, and when I started to believe my body was capable of getting healthy and it desired that, I mean, the game changed. Like I, I was able to free myself from so many things I thought I had to do and really just started to trust the process of healing. Um, and I feel like I'm cured. Um, I always say that like, I, I, there was a lot of labels thrown out there. I don't think that I have any of those diseases anymore. Um, and I'm just going with the fact that at this point, my body is healthier than it's ever been. Um, and it was a lot because I started connecting my beliefs with my body. Like I stopped disassociating myself from my body and I started to understand it. For what it is and what it's capable of and really take all of that knowledge that I had learned that I had so many questions about and start to make sense of that and how it was working as one whole system. Yeah. So that's what I tried to do with people.
1: (laughs) I'm curious kind of what things were you doing that you thought you, you thought you were all the, all the right things. And then did you ever get a clear diagnosis about what was going on with your body when you were experiencing all those symptoms?
0: Well, I mean, I had, uh, the first stages of kidney failure is what they originally diagnosed me with. Then it turned into Lyme's disease. Um, and then it was a combination of both of them. Um, and then we kind of left it at that. Like at that point, I think I was just kind of over the labels and the uncertainty of like, okay, none of this is helping me get better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let's, you know, like you could attach those things, but I felt like those labels were just like it it just became like who I was. And I didn't want to be defined as those diseases. I didn't want to carry that. And I mean, I think it's by the grace of God that somehow I was able to see through that into something bigger. Um, but I, the, all the right things to me was like, I was working out, you know, I owned a gym, so I was working out more than once a day. Oftentimes I was I was eating a really low, low calorie diet, you know, like all the right foods of like at the time, like I was doing the diet thing. Well, now when this happened, this was like pre keto, right? Like this is more like a little bit low fat, low calorie, um, burning more calories than you um, consumed because I owned a gym and it was only when I was working out, like I was not sleeping well because I was people need to work out early in the morning and late at night, you know, not in the work hours. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I had three kids in the midst of all of that. Um, and so it was just, my body was just overwhelmed. Like it was just exhausted. I had run it into exhaustion. It was living on survival mode. I failed to see that, um, for a long time, all of these little symptoms that i could have seen along the way, um, that I just didn't, I just thought that was normal part of living, um, and achieving those goals that you wanted. Um, and I missed it all until it all came crashing down
1: around me, right? <laughs> and so how did you pick the pieces up? It sounds like the traditional diagnosis, obviously, it's like, okay, fine, but that's not helpful. Yeah. So where did you turn to start finding the answers for yourself on how to heal your body from this yeah. rundown, stressed out state?
0: Yeah, so um honestly, I, I had to go to, uh, a physician at first. Um, I needed some medication just to get me, keep me alive basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that sounds like I, again, it's like almost hard to go back to those places. I'm like stumbling around. I'm like, how did it all like, yeah. it's almost like something that I've like, I don't want to say suppress. Like I think I've really done the healing work of my mind. So really let that to go and just enter into this new story. But I, after the doctors couldn't diagnose me with anything or, you know, they started talking about kidney failure and like starting that. And I was like, hold up. Like something in me just like felt like that's not right. Like that, that can't be right. Like I didn't have all the symptoms, but they didn't quite know, to, know what to do. And yeah. I just couldn't fathom having to go on medication for the rest of my life for something that I wasn't certain that was a correct diagnosis. So I jumped around from doctor to doctor, no one really could. And then finally I started getting into more of the holistic work in the meantime, in the background, I'm kind of studying all these things. Well, I didn't have any brain capacity at the time I was toast, you know, like I had three little girls, like three little girls under the age of five at home a newborn, a gym. Um, like I was just barely, but like something in me just kept pressing forward. And then I started to surround myself with more of these, whatever you want to call it, integrated physicians, holistic physicians, Um, and, and what I saw in those was that they weren't as apt to try to diagnose me to label me and treat me as that, but it was more like, okay, we just need to give your body energy. And it was over and over and over. I heard this, this message of your body just needs energy. It just needs energy. It just needs energy. And so I would do things like sauna sessions and I would do acupuncture and I was getting adjusted and I was taking supplements and herbs and, you know, I was changing my diet. Like I let go of a lot of inflammatory causing foods that I had been eating, you know, like I stopped fearing calories and I started to feed my body. Well, um, I slowed down on the exercise. Like I started to rest more. I, I quit the gym. Like I sold the gym. Like I just knew like something had to go. And it was that underlying message that I kept getting fed of your body just needs energy. It just needs energy. It just needs energy. And, and something in there clicked, right? It was like, okay, my body knows what to do. My body was designed in health. To keep myself well i was the one who pushed it to the extreme i really was the one who uh, pushed it beyond its breaking point um, and now i could be the one that was going to help get it back to its intended state by not trying to change my body but create the environment for it to do the job that it was designed um, and i think it was just once i started learning about that i started to be really fascinated by by the movement of energy inside the body. And that sounds really woo woo. It does. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You're going to have to dig into that. Yeah. We'll dig into that because I, I I know. And like, I love talking about faith based stuff and like God centered stuff. And so like bringing this message into that Christian space, there's like a huge block there. And I had it too. I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to believe it. Um, But I think if you dive in more, we really do see that that is the connecting point between our mind, body and soul. Um, But just doing that, like energy, right? Like calories are a source of energy and Movement can be a source of positive or negative energy. Like everything we're interacting with is changing our body in some way. Mm -hmm. And I had to start to see that not just as exercise and food, but starting to recognize everything that I did was having an impact on my biology, whether I liked it or not From my relationships to the things that I was doing my career, um, to the people I was interacting with and the food that I was putting in my body, um, the things that I was focusing on in my mind, right? Like mental energy, emotional energy accounts for over 70% of our total energy. Like the things I was believing and thinking about were a huge energy drainer or filler Um, for most of us, they're energy drainers. And it started to make sense of why so many people do all the right things and nothing seems to work. Because that perspective shift or that mindset thing that's happening inside of our brain is completely transforming all of our biology. So like started to learn, like, it wasn't just about what I ate. It was what my body did with what I ate and what my body was doing with that was strictly based on what am I thinking about? Like, what is going through my mind? What is my belief about these foods? Am I in a healthy mind space? Am I, um, you know, wanting to help my body or am I just trying to change it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was this whole shift that said, like, I can no longer just do things to try and change my body. I have to learn to support my body. And learning to support my body was learning to look at the whole of me. <laughs> um, and that was a big that was big. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's interesting. Instead of trying to change your body, I like that shift. Instead of trying to change your body, try to support your body. Yeah. And it will change for the better naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, will you talk a little bit more about the you said the state of mind that you're in, mm-hmm. even when you eat. So like the connection between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system, I touched yeah. on this, um, in a podcast, another interview that I did today, but I wanted to get your take on that mm-hmm. and how um, you utilize that information to change maybe some of your eating habits.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, the, the one central theme and I'm going to bring up energy again, not yeah. just to like keep throwing that down, but Like, I think our body is very complex. We, I don't even, I don't believe that science even knows remotely half of what's happening inside of our body. I mean, it's just so remarkable. It's so intricate and detailed. Um, and there's so many things that we don't know. Um, but rather than complexifying it and like zooming so close to things, like if we just zoom out a little bit, there is one central theme to the whole of our body. And that is energy movement like our body flows off energy, it works off of energy. When our body doesn't have the energy or it fears that there's not gonna be energy, this is survival mode, right? Like when you go on a super like calories are energy, but there's a lot of other places to get energy. Um, But if we just talk about this in calorie form, right? If we lower those like our caloric intake down to the point where it's below what our body needs to function, which is the place where a lot of people believe weight loss happens. It happens in a very short-term place, but then long-term, it causes these survival modes. And the survival mode is the protection of energy. Like survival mode to me is literally just trying to um, conserve and store and hoard as much energy as possible because energy is the foundation of life. Like without energy, we don't live. Yeah. Um, and so we have to have energy um, in order to sustain ourselves. But we often just keep energy in the form of like movement and um food but if we go back to like physics and i never studied physics in school so i'm going to sound like oh my gosh you're some physics nerd i had no idea until like later in life like i stayed clear of physics because i'm nope. like who needs to know physics <laughs> <laughs> um my husband's an engineer so he's like everyone should know physics
1: oh jeez.
0: yeah but like the first law of thermodynamics is that energy is neither created nor destroyed so when you really start to get into energy Energy is not just a food. It's not just um, a burning of energy. It's it's always there at the same functioning level. Now that's confusing because you're like, but I feel tired. I feel exhausted. I feel overwhelmed. What happens inside of our body is like how the body is channeling that energy, and so we can talk about this as hormones. We can talk about this as neurotransmitters. Like all of those functions inside the body are a movement of energy. And that energy is just communicating to the body, whether there's enough energy or whether there's not. And as soon as our body gets a sense that there's a threat in the horizon, um, that energy is scarce, even though we have food around every corner in America, right? None of us have food scarcity. Well, I shouldn't say none of us, probably no one listening to this podcast yeah. or in food scarcity. Um, but we have, we, we our body still believes that. So it's going to go to store hoard and conserve. And the best place to store hoard and conserve is body fat, right? Like it stores, it's a protective mechanism. Um, and so body fat is a very useful tool in survival mode. Um, and so we have this flow of energy that's happening now. I'm forgetting the exact question. Cause I feel like I'm getting off base. What was your question again?
1: Oh, just to talk about more of the parasympathetic and the oh, yeah, parasympathetic. nervous, system. yeah. nervous uh, systems.
0: Okay. Yeah. So we have the flow of energy now when we look at that flow of energy and why how it's determined whether we have this open and even flow of energy right whether we have this abundance of energy that creates that thriving mode or whether we go into store or conserve is based off of your nervous system it's based off this perception of whether we're in a state of stress or in a state of rest so our nervous system is broken into the parasympathetic um and the sympathetic nervous system. Have you gone into this? You'll you're basically known some of this before. So
1: briefly in the podcast episode that I um did today with Esther Blum, um, that is gonna be released obviously later this year or next year, um, she just talked about the importance of eating in a parasympathetic state versus yeah. a sympathetic state.
0: Okay. Yes. So you have like two states of the body. There's actually one more, but the two main states of the body and the parasympathetic state Parasympathetic state is that rest and digest phase. It's, it's where the body it doesn't have any perceived threats. It's where it can relax and the entire hormonal system of your body completely changes. And so what it does, like it can release oxytocin and it can release, you know, things that help you to sleep deeply. And the reason why you want to eat there is because your body is not trying to store hoard and conserve energy at that point. It's just mobilizing energy. Meaning if you eat in a state of rest, what's going to happen is your body's going to take in the nutrients it needs, which is very different than energy. And it's going to not take in as many calories that your body doesn't need. So it's going to take in what it needs and get rid of what it doesn't. It's a very efficient state of the body. It's the intended design. Um, The parasympathetic state is so important to our health. Unfortunately, a lot of us live in the sympathetic dominant state because we're constantly bombarded with threats or or perceived threats, not real threats, but a lot of times they're just perceived threats. And the sympathetic state is our stress response. This is where we release cortisol um, and we release adrenaline and we, we flood our system with all of this glucose because we think that we're going to need it to overcome the perceived threat. In the process of that, it also starts to conserve store and hoard all that energy, which means if you eat in this state, instead of actually processing through and and gathering in the nutrients from the food, your body's going to take in the energy and it's going to convert it to body fat to be used or to be stored in time of need. So we have this perpetual cycle where people are living in this stress state and it's such a harmful state because not only does cortisol, um, release sugars, but it also releases inflammation as a protective mechanism for the body. Um, it keeps you awake. um, while your energy is also like you're, you're starting to store it. So it feels like your energy is actually depleted when in fact, it's just moving into the storage form. It's always there. Mm -hmm. You're just starting to store it. You don't lose energy. We don't, um, we don't, it's just a transfer of energy or how that energy is, is being moved throughout the body. So we have this like sympathetic dominant state Um, and this is where a lot of people see a lot of problems. Like this is where I was living when I crashed and burned because in the process of living in the sympathetic state, your body is literally just working to survive. It's not working to heal. It's not working to reset hormones. It's not working to detoxify the system. So it's this place of, of drastic buildup inside the body. And that buildup, um, Causes damage to our cells. It causes damage to the whole of our body um, and it leads to disease ultimately over time. Um, and that's a space where sympathetic in the short term is incredibly beneficial like this sympathetic is where we see change happen. It's when we push our body too far out of that balance and we see this dominance in the sympathetic state without balancing that with a parasympathetic state, that's where we see a lot of problems happen. And that's, that's where I was living. I was living in the calorie deficit. I was working out to beat my body into submission. I was really working out, um, to change my body rather than working out to release energy or mobilize energy. I was not sleeping well. I was, hustling like crazy. I had three little girls. My body had gone through three pregnancies. Like you can see like the level of stress that just mounts and mounts and mounts and mounts um, until you hit your threshold and your body just starts to deteriorate.
1: It does. And I think that there are warning signs. Um, Oh yeah. Body tries to tell you, and this may be TMI for listeners, but I'm just going to say it anyways. Um, so currently, you know, I, there's a, we as an entrepreneur have a lot and mom have a lot of things on our plates, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important to recognize forms of stress Mm -hmm. that are not an immediate danger to your life and how that affects your body. So over, I think it was a couple months ago, I was doing a big presentation for UNMC on insulin resistance. I was trying to get up early, like at six o'clock to pray and meditate and whatnot before the kids got up. I was doing intermittent fasting um, and I still do intermittent fasting, yeah. fasting, but I was doing, um, like one long day a week. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was exercising normally and harvest started. My husband's a farmer and harvest started, which means I'm um, doing more of the parenting and household things. So essentially we were pancaking one stress on top of the other. Mm-hmm. And I missed my period. And I mm-hmm. thought that I was pregnant and I took four pregnancy tests. All of them were negative. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the first period that I've missed since I was a freshman in high school and had exercise bulimia. Yeah. Like that was a big wake up call for me to say, while all of these things are admirable, Morgan, you're trying to work, you're trying to get up and pray, you're trying to take care of your family. You and like you're trying to, you know, intermittently fasting for autophagy, it's too much stress on your body. Yeah. Where can you back off? And so I think what's really important there is that reflection of like, Hey, something's off. Let's take a step back and reflect and see what you can change. And so I, I increased my eating window this month. Um, I started sleeping more. It's like, you know what, God, uh, we're going to go back to the text message prayers. Like, Hey, thanks for this. Thanks for that. (laughs) We'll do some deeper meditation, uh, another time. Um, even simple things like using the nursery at our church. So that I'm not dealing with two kids alone in church. I'm just dealing with my one, three-year-old in church. Um, you know, really trying to be proactive and communicating with my husband, like all of these things, you know, I got my period back. Everything's fine. Shortening my workday. Like I changed my actual schedule so that I don't see people as early in the morning so that that reduces the morning stress reducing how many times a day I check my email. Yeah. Like that's a huge one, not getting on social media, unless it's to do a post. That's a huge one. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of curious for you, like for the listeners, those are all of the things that I'm I've literally done in the last month and I'm constantly recalibrating and whatnot, but it's an active reflective process of like, my body is too stressed. What are the lowest hanging fruits that I can control? to reduce my stress and then taking it like really committing to my stress management. And I wanted to know for you, it sounds like you made some pretty big sacrifices for your stress management with giving up the gym, but what else, what else, you know, what other signs does your body show you? And then what do you do to actively manage that stress? and yeah. control your ambition. Cause I can tell you're like me and we're little achievers. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that belief that if you're not hustling, you're not doing enough or you're never going to be successful. I mean, that's so ingrained. And I think that's part of the Midwest way. I don't think people I don't know, you know around here <laughs> ever stop. Um, and so if you're not working, I mean, are you, are you even living? Are you, you valuable? Know, like, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like partly like, I mean, growing up in farm community, like that's, that's what we see. That's what we grew up with. But I think it's everywhere too. I think, um, we have this and I, 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 I did give up the gym. I did make those sacrifices, but I want to be clear. I wasn't being fulfilled in those either. So those weren't things that were okay. This is an ultimate sacrifice. This is like, mm-hmm. okay, something's off here. Um, and I know that emotionally speaking, that was not just a physical, I'm going to hack this off to keep, to give myself more time. Um, and I think honestly, the more that I've, I've done this and the more that I've studied this, it's, it's truly so much of a perspective shift. It's truly so much of a, uh, of an emotional thing more than it is a physical thing. Yes, we need to slow down. Yes. Sometimes we need to sleep more and we need to be very aware of those. In fact, if you're a menstruating woman, like we have monthly cycles that that energy load is going to change. And that's really important if you're men or if you're menopausal or postmenopausal, like your energy levels are going to completely change in those times. But I like to look at any kind of symptom in my life, not as a problem anymore, but as a, like a metric to understand if I'm in balance or out of balance, like more like a compass. So like Mm -hmm. anxiety, like, you know, I tend to have a little bit more anxiety. And so instead of looking at at that and being like, Oh my gosh, like now I'm going to feel shame because I'm feeling anxiety or feel guilty about it, which only makes the anxiety worse. Um, I'm going to recognize that I'm feeling anxious. And so what in my life is out of balance, or I'm feeling like I have really bad PMS. What in my life is out of balance. I'm feeling like I'm not sleeping well. I don't have the, the, uh, you know no, I'm working out, but I'm like, I really don't like, it's not going well or I feel like I'm craving all the things. So there's some metrics that I like to look at it in my life. And it's like hunger, pain, um, cravings, sleep, mood. Um, I think there's a couple more that I'm missing, but those are like some big areas That you can start to pay attention to and if anything feels off again not to alarm you you know i think anytime we get symptoms and we're like oh my gosh there's a big problem now i gotta fix it no don't look at it as a problem as much as a a means to try and bring yourself back into balance and here's the key it's not keeping yourself in balance 100 of the time it's knowing that life will always push you out of balance but the key is not fearing that but it's knowing how to bring yourself back into balance it's like okay Life is always going to push me out of balance. There's always seasons to it, right? Like you're living in the middle of harvest. A lot of my friends are farmer's wives and like, that's a real stress, you know, like it's a real thing and it's a season, um, and, and it's a hard season, but it's a season. And you know, like we all go through those seasons of life, even like bodily changes, right? Like menopause, it's a season, um, and, and understanding your body in that season and doing the best that you can to bring it back into balance. And so for me, a lot of that is like a perspective change of saying like, oh my gosh, you know, like I'm having all these things and now I'm fearing it. And obviously I'm screwing up something and I just need to get my life in order. And like, I need to get rid of the chaos. Like, that for me is impractical. Like that for me is just creating more stress because it never happens. For <laughs> me, It's recognizing that stuff is all around. How can I control myself in the midst of this? I'm not saying we shouldn't get our life in order and try to do those things. But I'm saying like, what if we spent more time focusing on how we could support our body in the midst of what's happening rather than trying to work so hard to control our external environment.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some things that yeah. you do for that? Like- yeah.
0: So some things that I do for that is, Um, honestly, I just kind of like, I, I have those things that I know fill me up. So I always, I make a list of energy fillers and energy drainers. So in my life I recognize, okay, these are the things that I can always go to that are going to fill me up. I like taking a hot bath. I like reading fiction books. I like going for walks, um, you know, a smoothie or a glass of hot tea. So I think making just a list of like in my life right now, these are the things that like genuinely fill me up. It could be getting outside, getting some sunlight. I mean, they don't have to be these big massive life changes, like little things like this kind of meal, like this breakfast, like this time of the year, it's getting cooler. Like I love breakfast hash. Like that gives me energy. Right. Um, and so for me, it's like, okay, in this season I'm going to make a list of energy fillers and then I'm going to look at my life and I'm going to recognize what things in my life right now are draining my energy. Is it a task that I'm doing for work? Is it like, for me, a social media is such a drain for me. me and too. I feel like this immense pressure to be on there and doing things. And I'm like, why? Like, what is it ultimately helping me do except suck the life out of me? And so it's like, okay, I know I need to have a very specific boundary. Maybe I can't escape mm-hmm. it, but I can have boundaries around that. So like going through my list of things that drain me and either saying like, can I get rid of it? Can I delegate it? Or how can I set a boundary around it? Another thing has a mom. <laughs> this is going to make me sound like a horrible mom. I hate bedtime. <laughs> like oh, I always have. Um, some people are like, it's the greatest time. you got to talk to your kids. Yes. yes, yes, yes I, I know. But there was like, so like my husband used to work late and like I had to do bedtime alone and something about it just ruined me. I have like PTSD from bedtime. And, and so like for me, it's like, I can't escape bedtime, nor do I want to, I don't want to be an absent mom during that time. Cause I know it's valuable but in the midst of that like what can i do to fill myself up so i don't turn into like rage mom where i'm like just get in your room like i don't want to see you come out again um and so like for me it's like okay i understand that this point in my schedule is exhausting it's stressful it feels overwhelming and it's a drain for me rather that, than just like living yeah rather yeah. than just letting that be a drain and just being like i'm dreading it which again drains your energy anytime you dread something that fear, that worry, that thinking about it is literally sucking energy out of you, right? It's channeling energy in an unhealthy way. So I have, um, done something where I'm like, okay, I know this is draining, but how can I make it more enjoyable? How can I make it more filling? And if it's more filling for me, it's more filling for my kids as well. Cause they don't want to be yelled at to get in bed and to not get out of bed. And you know, like it just makes it worse. And so now it's like, okay, you read a book and I'm going to read a book. You know, like it's inst- you know, like we're gonna sit down and we're gonna read in your bed together. And so it's a great time for me to just like I put away my phone because that's stressful, and I just like pick up a book and we just sit and read together. Um, for some of my younger kids, um, I don't love the act of listening to children read to me. <laughs> this is terrible.
1: That's not, I'll tell you my uh, terrible bedtime. Well, quote unquote <laughs> terrible. It's not. I'll tell you about bedtime after you. (laughs) Okay.
0: But I feel like it's just exhausting. And so I'll have my kids read together first. You know, like if there's a younger one, I'm like, Hey, read your sister a story or read to your stuffed animal. And not all the time. Sometimes I'll listen to her. My husband's so much better about it than I am. But then it's like, okay, I'll read you a story. Um, and then I'll go read with my older girls. Like I'll read my book. Or sometimes it's like, okay, I'm going to reward myself with a hot bath afterwards. Like that to me is like, okay, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to enjoy it, not just get through it. I'm going to enjoy it. And then I'm going to like reward myself with just being able to relax on my own. Yep. And our bodies love rewards. I mean, it's the heart of addiction, right? (laughs) Like it's why people keep doing things. And why, again, another thing that you were like, I, I, you know, I know all the right things to do, but I can't do it. And it's like, because everything you're doing is miserable. Like you hate it all. Of course, you're not going to keep doing it because our body lives for reward. Um, That's what keeps us going. It's what gives us desire. And so we have to be a people who recognize that we can't escape stress. We can't escape things that we don't like doing. Like, I don't love to run, but changing my perspective about it or even working out, right? Like, it's hard. Like, I don't know. Like. If we really ask anyone, like if you would rather like sit down and watch your favorite Netflix show or go do a workout, I mean, probably 98% of people would pick the Netflix show if they were really honest, right? 100% maybe but we have to change our perspective of that. Like I now don't work out to get a PR or to change the way my body looks like I now work out because I recognize it makes my mind feel better. It makes me feel like I have energy to start the day or if I'm feeling tired at night and all of a sudden the sun just came out and I know.
1: mine does that in the morning. Yeah. If you're watching on YouTube, she's getting a, a real good, a really nice glare from the yeah, sun. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like glowing. Um, But those are like some of the things it's like, okay, some of these things that we know are healthy that are good, that really do fill our bodies with life and mobilize energy eyes and mobilize energy and like help us to feel healthy and do healthy things for all of us. We have to change our perspective of that. Um, And so it's either changing the perspective and also finding reward within that. Like what is the reward to doing that? For me, it's like working out to me is like, I found the reward in doing it with other people. So like I really work out alone, but I'll text a friend and I'll be like, Hey, you want to go for a walk? Or do you want to, um, I have a neighbor that we just like meet up in her garage and do weights. Um, and to me, the reward is, Hey, I get to spend time with people. um, and I get to enjoy that. And I love relationships on that level. And so that's my reward. Mm -hmm. So looking at rewards outside of food, um, so that's a
1: main life. reward for someone yeah.
0: after putting the kids to bed yeah. used to be one for me. Yeah. 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 So now it's like, okay, I'm going to read a book in the bath, you know, like now it's a double reward. Um, and, and that really does do it, but it's, it's honestly, it's not complicated. It's just looking at all the little things and knowing every day, those things are going to change. And sometimes it's like, I didn't even realize the stress was going to hit me, but now I'm feeling really stressed instead of getting, letting that stress be the end of me or feeling like now I deserve to eat this meal. Now I, you know, like now I deserve to sit on the couch. It's recognizing like, okay, I'm stressed. I'm feeling exhausted because of this. What can I do? Like, can I go back to something that fills me with energy and do that on the backside of it?
1: Yeah. Keeping that like list on hand. Um, yeah. So just to make you feel better, um, during harvest, I don't even read to the kids. (laughs) I, I made that decision about one weekend um, my son Dawson, historically he's our older one. He like takes two hours, three hours to put to bed. I also have Pete, what do you want to post-traumatic? We should call it post-traumatic bedtime disorder. Yeah, P-
0: right.
1: <laughs> it's a new thing and it's real. Um, yeah. <laughs> and at least now he can, he's a little bit more independent about it. And I just told him when I, I was like, you know, buddy, we're not going to read, we're not going to read books after bath time during harvest. And he's like, but why? And I said, because it actually doesn't help you fall asleep. Mm -hmm. I don't think anything does. And he's like, yes, it does. And I said, I have three years of evidence to prove otherwise. (laughs) No, we're not going to, we're not reading books before bedtime anymore. And You know, I think that reading obviously is important, but my mental health and my ability to be patient with my children, as I'm putting them down to bed is, um, a priority of mine. So I don't snap at them. Yeah. Uh, and you know, for, for me in this season, it's no books before mm-hmm. bedtime. Cause I just don't mm-hmm. just don't have it in me. Um, and I also agree with you on the reward front, you know, it's like, sometimes it'll be a hot bath or a hot, a hot shower. I love just like crashing on the couch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan of tracking my macros. Um, at least a few days a week, it just kind of holds me accountable, prevents that nighttime snacking. And so I like to habit stack the reward on top of something. I don't like doing it. Um, yeah. I think it's kind of a pain, but I do it, and then I stack the habit of crashing on the couch and watching the voice or something like mm-hmm. that on top of it. So it's like if you really have something that you want to do, like you said, the workout, you could stack that right yeah. in front of your reward.
0: Mm-hmm. I found
1: that to be um, a good strategy too. Yeah. Now, I wanted to dig more into the mindset. You said seventy percent of our energy is like mental or emotional, mm-hmm. and that is so true. Um, I like to have people imagine, like how much of your mental energy, um, are you spending on negativity? So self shame, like shaming yourself, doubting yourself. Um, you're feeling guilty. You're feeling unmotivated. You're feeling tired. Like how much of, of your mental capacity is negative. And then so many times like, Oh, 50, 50 to 70%. And so I say, imagine that as a water balloon. And like each of those negative thoughts is a hole in your water balloon draining you of your energy that you could be putting to pursuing your goals. Yeah. And so I talk about plugging thought holes and like finding limiting thoughts and then dealing with those. I'm kind of curious as to your perspective or your bent on how you coach people through the mindset side of getting healthy.
0: Yeah. I mean, I really believe the mind. Okay. I want to be careful when I say that the mind is a very big ticket into your health. Because if your mind is negative, if it's filled with, we have the, we run on loops, our whole body does. Right. So it's like positive feedback loops or negative feedback loops. And all of those loops are communicating with your, your body, like your hormones, are nothing more than a communication channel. They're, they're, they're a messenger. Like it's like the postman, right? They're not writing the message and they're not receiving the message. Even though we like to kill the messenger, the hormones all the time, it's truly not our hormones that are at fault. It's the message that we're sending. And the message is what things are going on in your mind? Like, what is your perspective? What are you thinking about? Like that truly is changing everything about your biology. Even those thoughts are being stored in our body somewhere if we're not processing through them and getting rid of them. Now, I think we give our mind a little bit more credit than it deserves, um, or we make it a focus that I don't think is totally our mind. I don't think our mind alone is working in itself, in isolation. I think our mind is working directly from our soul, or our belief system. Mm-hmm. And so if we really look at the hierarchy of of how this all works is like our beliefs, determine our thoughts, which determine our actions. So our body is truly just an outcome of our soul or our belief system. Um, and again, there, there's a lot of people who would debate that, but I think we could look at any behavior modification and say, like, if I'm just trying to change my actions, if I'm just trying to work at the outside level of me, it doesn't work. Like, I mean scientists are arguing that hundred percent of diets will fail long term if we don't go back and change the belief about it. So you really are what you believe. Like if you believe, that you're fat, you're going to have uh, thoughts that limit you, right? Like it's, you're going to create limiting beliefs anytime you try to do something positive. So limiting belief is like, okay, I'm going to step on the scale instead of using the scale as a metric to understand your body. Now you're using it as a tool to shame you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a limiting belief, right? Like some people can't step on the scale without any level of shame or guilt that says, oh, of course I'm so bad. I didn't lose any weight. Like, and that limiting belief then leads to an action that supports it. So it's all of these like big kind of complex loops, but it's like, you have a belief, you have a thought and that thought needs supporting evidence to stand. So we can't think things or we don't think things that we don't believe on some level, right? Like think about how many things in our environment right now we're not even aware of that are going on, right? Like we aren't aware of the things that are happening around us and we hear things all day long, but we're only processing through things that we think might have something to do that we might be a threat or might be something that we believe in. And so in the process of believing something and thinking it, we have to create the supporting evidence around it and supporting evidence can come from past memories. Um, they can come from things people told you or they'll come from your action. So if you step on the scale, like you believe you're fat, you step on the scale or you look at yourself in the mirror and all of a sudden now you're like, well, yeah, I look so fat. Like, oh, my stomach is just so big or, you know, like right. we, we talk so bad about ourselves. So now you're starting to do that, but not only that, but you're starting to pull from stored memories. So you might be like, of course, like Mm -hmm. I remember for me, one of the kids in third grade called me thunder thighs. And so that's like a, that's a supporting evidence for me that can support the, the thought that I am so fat. Right. Uh, of course, now I just have thunder thighs and you know, these are all the times and and we don't consciously do this, but subconsciously we're building the scaffolding system in our brain that allows that thought to stand. And in the process of keeping that thought front of mind, and because that thought then directs our actions, we now have to support that thought with behavior. So instead of eating the healthy breakfast, you might eat the healthy breakfast, but then you'll sabotage it, right? Like you'll, you'll uh, pull out the candy, or you know I deserve this, or your cravings will get the best of you, all to support a thought that stemmed from your belief. The thought in itself isn't produced. Like we can put positive thoughts all day long in your brain, but if you don't believe they're true, you have no scaffolding system to hold onto them and therefore they just leave. Um, and so the way your thoughts are developed is the scaffolding system based on a belief, all these stored memories, and then your actions come into play. So I like to look at the mind more as a bridge between the body and soul. It's, it's this, this, um, It's basically like this compass that's directing, like, are these two things working together in balance or is there something out of balance that's not helpful in creating the action that you're looking at? But I really think that we have to focus on our soul on those belief systems, because if we can't change what we will always act out of what we believe, our thoughts are always on some level based in our beliefs. And we can see this, like even in the chaos of COVID or in the political system, right? Like we develop such strong beliefs, And anytime someone rubs against that belief, you fight back against it, right? Like, and you act against that because you're always coming back to those beliefs. So if we really, really, really want to change, I think we don't need to just stop at our thoughts. I think those are important because our thoughts are how we understand how healthy our soul and our body is. All of our communication is happening in our mind. So we have to know our thoughts, be aware of them, but then use those thoughts to direct us to the place that needs attention. And so for having thoughts of like, you, if you look at yourself in the mirror and you can't say anything positive, go back to what belief system did you create? Sometimes it's not even your beliefs, but these were created mm-hmm. by your parents, by past generations, by someone, someone else told you, um, by diet magazines, right? Like by health that has been established that maybe isn't even true, but we can't just change our thoughts. Like we can't stop there because we can't lie to our body. And I tried doing this for the longest time. I thought I'm, I maybe sway on the negative side. <laughs> um, yeah. my husband's like the glass is always overfilling. And so I feel like naturally to balance that out. I'm like, Nope, the glass is actually almost empty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I thought that if I could just, just think more positive, right, just add those positive thoughts back in and it sounds great. But the reality is if you don't believe those positive things, You can say them all day long, but they're not doing anything to your body. And and some people are like, we'll just repeatedly do them. Like, but we can't repeatedly change feedback loops without having a belief system in place to actually solidify that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It might work in the short term, just like behavior modification can, but long-term it'll never stick because we'll always fall back into what it is that we believe. So we have to go back and change the story. Like, I'm a really big person of like the stories that we've created and told ourselves and put on ourselves are not always true. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they're harmful and they're stopping you from actually achieving like your God-given design. Like, I don't think we're supposed to stop here. Right. And and I think that's why the soul is so important in all of health because our body is a direct representation of, of the health of our soul. Um,
1: and, and science is
0: showing this, um, Yeah, maybe in a different twisted way,
1: but yeah. Um, I want to dig into the beliefs, but before I talk about my kids, who knows, maybe too much on here. Um, so the other night you mentioned stepping on the scale as, you know, almost an action to reinforce or build the scaffolding for the belief that you're fat and, or I've seen a lot of people use it as a motivator. Like I'm going to step on here and um, I'll either feel so guilty or shameful that surely then I won't want to eat, or they use it as a permission slip to, oh, I'm doing yeah. well so I can, you know, have whatever. Anywho, Dawson stepped on the scale the other night um, at the farm where my in laws live. And he goes, Mommy, how many points do I have? He yeah. literally thought it was a game because he had no preconceived belief, you know, system around what the, the yeah. skill was. He yeah. thought it was a game. oh, I win, mommy. Now it was Nene's turn. My mother-in-law, we call her her name's Renee, and we call her Nene. Nene, how many points do you have? You know, and so she steps on, Oh, I I beat you, Nene. You know, and so it's yeah. just like, oh man, if everyone had that child like yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and thought the scale was just a silly yeah. game, you know. Yeah. So, anywho. I thought that was kind of a cute, profound story, especially for, um, the, yeah. the emphasis and the, and the weight that so many, the power that so many people give to a stinking number on a scale.
0: I know. Right. Yeah. Which has no way to dictate the health of your body ever.
1: <laughs> so I'd like to know, because this is really hard. How do you change your beliefs? You know, cause I'm totally on board with. Mm-hmm. I I really think like I talk a lot, thoughts, determine your emotions, emotions. So I kind of bridge that with emotions, determine actions, actions, determine results, but you're right that our beliefs really impact our thoughts. And I heard this quote recently that you don't have to believe every thought that floats through your brain. Mm -hmm. Um, You can choose to think differently, but you said that that's only a kind of a short-term solution. Um, a great example is the other night I didn't want to exercise and my exercise time got filled with a client call. And I was just going to skip it. And I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. I don't want to exercise tonight. And it's like, that's that's crap. You know, um, why don't you just change that crappy thought? Mm-hmm. And so I, I literally told myself, you're not tired. You have energy to exercise tonight. And you're going to feel a lot better after you do it. When you go home, you're going to do a workout. It's going to take 20 minutes. It'll be no big deal. You're going to feel better, but that stems from the belief that I am worthy enough. And I, Um, and that I love that exercise is good for my body and my mind, you know, so that, that ability to change the thought does really stem from those beliefs of I'm worthy of having a healthy body. So, Mm -hmm. you know, first off, like what are the major limiting beliefs that you see a lot of your, in your practice? And then how do you coach your clients to truly change that belief?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're only working out of one belief at every thought that we have. And so we have a lot of competing beliefs of like, when you go through this process, we have these old stories and these old beliefs and writing a new story, right? It's like, what are you going to allow more consistently to win? And that's what's going to like take precedence in your life. Um, and so, you know, I think limiting beliefs, uh, I mean, there's so many, but I think a lot of people just don't believe their bodies are good um, or capable of healing or that their parents were fat. And so they're going to be fat or that they're not worthy. Um, I have a lot of people who have even like limiting beliefs that are led to shame, you know, like, um, that, um, their body was shameful or um, used to harm other people, or they were harmed by their body. Um, it there's power, you know, like a lot of people, uh, were traumatized by someone putting power over their body. Um, and so, I mean, those are some big limiting beliefs. I think um, they kind of all stem from from the opposite of what, you know, like as a Christian, like God calls us like good and worthy and his child and um, lovable. And like, it's all like, I think at the heart of belonging is like this need to be need- needed or to be seen, loved and known. And we all want a place to belong and we all want to be loved. And so I think at our core, our beliefs center around whether we believe we can achieve those things or we're worthy of those things. Um, and so I think the biggest thing in understanding your limiting beliefs is just to understand your thoughts because we can't understand our beliefs without our thoughts. Our thoughts are crucial, our mind is crucial in understanding our mind and our body or our soul and our body. So you have to understand what are you thinking? And then what is the belief behind that? Where did it come from? And that sounds really annoying and also kind of cheesy initially, because these are not like glamorous things like changing your body. That's so glorified. No one can see this happening. But for me, sometimes it was like, okay, I'm going to write these things down. Like I'm going to write down what it is I think about, and then I'm going to go back and I'm going to try and find a belief based on that. And some people would take you like some therapists would take you even further and go back to like childhood where a lot of these formative things were built or you know like that's where we learned a lot of these things or our beliefs were built and so maybe it's even understanding now where did that belief come from um and then starting to put like truth like is that true like is do i really as an adult self who knows and has lived through as much as i have do i really believe that anymore. And it sounds silly, but, but what we don't realize is that unless we understand our beliefs, we'll continuously act out of the beliefs that were created when we were younger out of our childhood versions of ourselves. Um, And so we have to go back in as adults, as wiser selves and, and put some truth back into those things. Um, And that's really important, but we have to go back and we first have to acknowledge where that belief, what that belief is, and acknowledge that that was probably the safest thing for my body at that time to believe that. Mm -hmm. Our beliefs are always in protection of ourselves. Um, and they're always looking for safety. And so I don't want to say like, we can't go back in and and, like, if you have the belief underlying that I'm fat and no one's going to love me because of it, we have to realize where did that belief probably stem from. And at some point that belief has protected you from pain that you feared that created that. And then you have to start to love that back into a true belief, you know, like not to dismiss it or say that that wasn't good, but to say like, okay, I did believe that, but this is the truth and starting to remind your body of that truth over and over and over and over, Mm -hmm. um, and really start to believe it for what it is. And in the process of believing that those beliefs change your subconscious brain, which is where we act out of 85% of the time, 90% of the time is subconscious and that subconscious transmits to the conscious brain um which then produces better thoughts yeah. um and so i think it's like some people call it like an onion of this layers of healing where you know we have a lot of belief systems and it's just kind of starting with some of the basic ones and watching yourself evolve in that um and then just keep going through the process of that um but i i I think a lot of people get stuck in the belief system because it brings up a lot of painful things too you know like of understanding those a lot of these negative beliefs are built in pain and trauma i don't want people to get stuck there like we have to remember whatever pain and trauma we went through more than likely we can't be hurt by that again um and bringing that up kind of gives us this thought or makes our body feel like oh my gosh if, if we let this out we're gonna be hurt by it again. Um, but we have to remind ourselves that we can't be hurt by it again, but we can let it go. And in the process of letting it go, you're actually creating a safe environment, um, for your body to change and to heal. Um, that's a whole different topic for a podcast. (laughs) Um, but it's really fascinating stuff, but, um, yeah, just going back in and understanding those beliefs and it takes time. Um, but it is worth it work, you know, and, and, and the more you do this, the more that you change those beliefs, then everything just happens without you forcing it. You know, when you can change those belief system and really healthify those to align with where you want to go and what it is that you believe and and your purpose, then guess what? Your thoughts evolve out of that and your actions. So no longer are you just like constantly putting energy into all this behavior modification and being frustrated that it doesn't work. All of a sudden it's just like, okay, now when I start doing this, like things just happen. And I had to go through this whole process after healing of like really starting to recognize my body is good because I had this underlying belief that my body was bad and I was here to change it, to force it, to be good, um, to be something that people loved, you know, like loved or made me known. Um, and I realized like in the process of that, like my body is good. It is for me. And in the process of that, my thoughts changed to be less about like, how can I beat my body into submission and now how can I support it? And the process of that now I'm like, not as apt to just like closet eat things because I'm frustrated that nothing's changing. And I'm more like, I don't even need that because I recognize that there's plenty of other places I can get energy from. If that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Sure. I know it sounds like super cheesy and almost too good to be true, but I think health is supposed to be too good to be true. Like we were not purposed to live for health. I cannot wrap my mind around that. And I cannot stand behind that. We were here for so much bigger things than Than living our entire lives devoted and surrendered to this health industry. We were meant to, to go out and live our lives in health, to use the energy to do great things here. Um, and I am just like, that is my mission. That is my, my purpose is like, I don't want people to stop here and live their lives devoted to this. I had a 73 year old lady reach out to me who said she'd been dieting for since she was 21. And I wanted to cry for her to be like, you have lived your whole life trapped without ever living your life. And like you have so much to offer, right? Like you had so much to offer that someone made you believe that you couldn't offer until you lost the way. It's such a,
1: it's such a true thing. And I think that beliefs are really sneaky because they're often our blind side. I think that's where like coaching can really come into play. Like for me, um, I grew up kind of with that subconscious belief of my worth is in my work. My worth is in how busy I am. And so I would constantly be filling my schedule and stressing myself out. And I just try to go back to like, Nope, you're a child of God and that makes you worthy. And that's it. Like, yeah. you know, if I was paralyzed, heaven forbid from the neck down, I would still have just as much worth, even though I couldn't do what I do, I'm still worthy as a person. Yeah. And so I try, like, when I see that limiting belief in myself, I try to then replace it with you no, know, what is actually true? Like what, it? where did that come from? Right. I have a really hardworking parents, um, a really sacrificial mom, and, but I've seen her and she she'll come on here and talk about this, sacrificing her health for, yeah. you know, putting the needs of others above her own sometimes. And so I recognize that's not a belief that I want to carry into adulthood, yeah. you know? So I think that they could, they don't even have to be as, as deep as some of the ones that you mentioned, but they could be, um, still just as impactful on, oh, yeah. Yeah. on that. And I see that a lot in women who are givers and they have that belief that if I'm not busy, if I'm not constantly giving my time to other people, then I'm selfish. Yeah. Hey, I have one more question before you go. Yeah. Um, my favorite book on this topic is I am enough by Marissa peer. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know if you'd read that and if, um, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but also if you had any other recommendations for like mm-hmm. favorite books to work on this mindset, belief energy stuff that we've been talking about today.
0: Yeah. Um, I have not read that book, but I will add it to my list. I love reading. Um, I mean, some of the books that I think are foundational, um, there's the biology of belief, um, which shows the power of what we believe. That's a really, I think that's a hard book to, it's not like a fast book to read. Have you ever read the biology of belief? I haven't read, I haven't
1: heard of that one. No.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I have some of them here, but it's, um, it's, it's a big book. Um, a little bit harder to read one that was kind of transformative to me was the memory code. And it talks about how our memories are stored inside of our body. Um, that's by Dr. Alexander Lloyd. Um, I love Jenny Allen's um, latest book. Let me see if it's right here. Oh, get out of your head kind of talks more about holding the thoughts captive. Get out of your head. Um, This is definitely um, It doesn't talk as much about the soul, but how to do the work. This is a good mindset one as well. This is a newer book. Um, This is a fun read. I'm giving you all kinds I love these maybe you should talk to someone this is this is like a really good book um and she's a therapist yeah, a and this, box
1: on the cover that's funny
0: yeah yeah this is a really good book um so those are some of my my favorite ones I guess I would say um
1: you have a lot that's really good
0: yeah so yeah I mean when it when we talk about energy movement in the body I haven't found a great book that explains that um so yeah, that's a little bit, not one that I have. I don't, I mean, not all of those are like mindset and belief books, not necessarily like body books.
1: Yeah. which yeah. is fine. That was kind of the focus of today anyways, but yeah. thank you so much for doing this interview. It was just really fun to talk with you. I always love connecting with fellow entrepreneurs, especially if they are working moms Yeah, um, and especially if they're in the field that we're in. So it was a, a delight to speak with you. Can you let our listeners know where they can learn more about you?
0: Yeah, well, this was so fun. Um, I'm so glad to be on the show. You can learn more about me at thelivingwell.com. Um, there's blogs and there's courses, and I have a planner over there that just again, anything I can do to help you like live this out, that's kind of my mission. Um, and then my podcast is called Made for Living Well and Instagram is called Made for Living Well at Made for Living Well. So
1: Perfect. And we'll link up to all those resources in the show notes today. Alexa, thanks so much for coming on and we'll talk again soon. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the reshape your health podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and don't forget to tell a friend to learn more and connect online. Check out the links in the show notes.